With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans welcome into the Detroit Pistons to wrap up the four-game home stands. Also an all-star edition of the Pelicans podcast because I have two all-stars joining me today to talk about Zion Williamson being named an all-star. That is David Wesley and Aaron Hardigan of Fox Sports New Orleans, part of pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage. They're dancing right now, as you'll not be able to see on the podcast, but it's pretty good dancing. I will say that. As, uh, you know, Aaron talked about when we had her on um, a couple, like a month ago, I would say, um, she talked about having two all-stars for the Pelicans here. She got one of them with Zion Williamson being named, but let's just first say hello. I'm glad to finally be able to talk to you guys again. It's been a little bit. Hope everyone's doing well. Okay, D. Salerson, I need to clarify something for our fine listeners out there that were assuming that my hot take was taped recently. <laughs> let's note that that was made, what, way back in like the first week of January? I want to yeah. say it was shortly after the new year. Yeah. Um, at that time, let's keep in mind, at that time, Brandon Ingram was rolling into the new year as player of the week and off a career 2020 for him, right? So at that time, I was thinking if he kept up with that pace, uh, he was going to return to the All-Star game uh, th- this season. And, and, you know, again, it was like at, it was at a time in the year where we were like, oh, it's Brandon Ingram's team and whatnot. I sit here and I try to remember why at that moment I actually had to sit and think about Zion's all-star nod, but I think it was right before he had essentially hit like that surge, that stretch in which he was literally setting or breaking a record every other night or joining some sort of hall of fame company in a statistical Mm -hmm. category. Um, In which case, when he began to put up those sort of numbers, I was thinking, there's no way this kid isn't an all-star. Like, he's going to get in fan boat alone, right? Well, the fan, you know, didn't make the fan boat cut. I was happy to see the coaches get him in. But I just wanted to clarify that because people were thinking this was, like, last week. And they're like, how are you you having to stop and think about Zion? I'm like, this is at the start of the year, and things were a little different at that time, right? No, absolutely. I completely agree. And, again – you don't know how others are playing around the league. You know, some of the guys that got in, like who would have thought the Utah Jazz would be 25 and six at this moment here. And, you know, they're talking about getting three or four all-stars and they were able to get two, but some people were making the case for Mike Conley and even Jordan Clarkson off the bench for them. So, yeah, I mean, a completely different time and definitely saw your point, but also uh, the West is so stacked. I think you both can agree with that as far as guys that were left out. We're not going to really get into who was left out. The main important thing is that Zion was was in. And so, um, David, I'm going to go to you here for a second. When you heard that Zion made it, I mean, obviously, I think he deserved a nod. What were your thoughts on – were you surprised that he was able to get in? Or what does it say about him that he, he got in that was voted by the coaches? Well, for every hot take that Aaron had saying that they were both going to get in, the only thing I had <laughs> to say was numbers-wise and playing – Yes, their numbers get them, could get them in. My, my issue was the record. And um, so I'm not surprised that they got in or, or that Zion got in. I was just surprised that he got in in spite of the record. And I think that's where Booker in the past has had trouble getting in, um, whereas this year they have a much better record uh, and he probably should be in. But 
you know, he, you saying he should be in and says that somebody shouldn't be in. And we talked about Chris Paul, but um, I love the fact that Zion got in. It's a very important time in his, in his career where, you know, he gets to see what that's all about. Not everybody gets to see what that's all about. I've been close. I've been on the ballot. There was one year where I was like, eh, this might happen. And it did not. So, um, you know, but for his, I mean, he'll be there 10, 12, 14 years, however long he plays. Um, and it's good to get started right now. Aaron, you know, you mentioned trying to get both in, which again, B.I. made it last year, Zion makes it this year. But those are your two cornerstone pieces that the Pelicans are building around. What does it say about what David Griffin has been able to do? The fact that you didn't get him in in the same year, but in the last two years, those two guys that you're building around have been named All-Stars for the first time at such a young age. Zion is not even 21. He's the fourth youngest ever making All-Star team. And Brandon Ingram just scratching the surface around 22 years old. What does it say about the fact that this team has had two all-stars in back-to-back years on those players that you're building around? Well, I think this might be one. I think this might be the most uh, – th- this might set a high for a number of national games in a season, right? Like Zion w- – when New Orleans landed Zion, it changed the landscape of, like, this small market aspect. Like, p- more and more people are tuning in to see this kid because he's such a revered figure and, and, and kind of young face in this league right now, right? And, he, and he's such a fan favorite, which is why – I was like, there's no way he's not going to be in this midseason classic because it's a, a made-for-TV event. And he is made-for-TV, right? He is who you want to tune in to see. So that's, that's what's kind of changed the game, I think, one, for the New Orleans brand is just drawing more national eyes uh, to this product. I think Brandon, Brandon is obviously kind of a quieter figure where it, he, just, he, he quietly leads this team. I still think this is Brandon Ingram's team, and correct me if I'm wrong, but – I don't know. At the same, I guess I say that. And then at the same time, I have to stop and consider like what Zion again is doing on a nightly basis. The fact that they're the two kind of like they're spearheading this thing um, makes it super enjoyable for us one to cover. Right. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a blast, but it's just future's bright, man. I mean, cause these guys are just, they're not even scratching the surface yet. And that's scary to think David, because when we look at some of the numbers, I mean, he's doing Zion is joining the company of, Michael Jordan's and Magic Johnson's and Kobe Bryant's in various statistical categories. He's 20 years old. He's not even legally able to have a, an alcoholic beverage at this point in his life. And he is already among those names. I think it's special. I think it's special, you know, to, to add to what she's saying that, you know, this team small market has two guys um, that, that, are growing and growing fast. Um, you know, you got one that's must-see TV. He's going to give you the dunks, the the power, the strength, the agility um, in Zion. And then you're going to get you're going to have a guy who's, you know, KD light. You know, he 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 can knock down threes. He can put the ball on the floor. He can pass, make all the passes. Um, he can finish at the rim. He will dunk on you if you if you get caught slipping. So, um, you know, to have those two guys the front of your team at such a young age, you can only imagine what the future can be as you build this team around them. David, I want to go back to you for a second because, you know, we talked about when Aaron, you know, talked about the two all-stars, that was before they even went on this long six-game road trip that did not give the Pelicans a lot of success. They went one in five. But when they came back, that's when you started to see Point Zion and him being able to play make a little bit more and him starting to take the ball up and start top of the arc and make his move. And, 
You start seeing the assist go up. You start seeing the points in the paint, you know, go up for him as he leads the league in that. How have you seen him grow even in just the matter of the month and a half since that road trip where you're seeing uh, Zion do more than just go to the rim and use his power? He's able to make decisions on the fly and able to do a lot more than just go to the rim. Well, then that takes me back to uh, what Aaron was talking about. This is Brandon's team. Um, I think it's quietly making a shift to Zion's team. And I think it's, I think more and more the coaches and players are starting to understand that um, this young man can give us success in, in different ways. And he's not just bully ball. I'm a shoot up, shoot 25 times. He is reading defenses. He's reading the right passes. He's seeing the double team. He's reading that and making the proper plays. Um, and it seems like when he has the ball in his hands, good things happen. So um, I think the growth in him um, while they were out on the road became evident that, hey, well, you know, we had a couple opportunities to go to him late. We didn't. Um, we have to see what more he can do. And I think, you know, with him only, what, 54 or five games, they didn't know. And then all of a sudden they, all right, let's try this. And oh, wow, not only can he do it, he does it well. And it's added to his game. Like you said, his numbers are going up, his points in the paint. They didn't suffer because he has the ball out on the perimeter. They actually got better because now he's picking and choosing. And again, you get that size body on the move and can change directions. Defenses have problems, big problems, trying to figure out where he's going, his agility, his, you know, his ability to get around defenders and – you know, I, you know, you wonder where that ceiling is for him. Uh, and I can't, I can't really see it because he possesses so much. It's a good point. And I think a lot of people talk about a ceiling, but when you're also 54 games in, why is there a need to have a ceiling right now too? I mean, he's only scratching right. the surface. So a lot of people want to put, he's not going to be a hall of famer. He's only going to be an all-star this amount of times. Like he hasn't even technically played a full season yet. Not even 82 games. No. And we're already I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> And I just want to be like, slow hey. down. Why don't you enjoy what he's been able to offer? And and so I think that's what's kind of crazy, Aaron, is that we talk about what he can do and what the future is so bright. But, like, I think people forget about the enjoy the present, especially what we saw on, on Sunday afternoon against the Boston Celtics, who the guy that was one for five with four points in the first half helps rally this team to, to conclude the biggest comeback in franchise history. Can I, can I jump in there about that, too? You know, th we're in the social media era and you know microwave era mm -hmm. people want it now people yeah. people are so busy taking pictures and posting instead of enjoying the actual event and moment they're in people are you know and i read this on instagram a couple of weeks ago and girl was writing i'm 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 done posting new content i'm posting old content because i'm tired of being at places looking for that instagrammable moment zion is giving you all the instagrammable moments you need you don't have to worry about, is he going to be a, a Hall of Famer? Enjoy the ride, like you said. But it, it, to that point of wanting it now, it's like, are, are we not allowing him that growth and development period like we do most guys that enter the league, right? Yeah. Like, are we yeah. just, like, bypassing, like, he needs to be this great now, and he needs to – and that's, that's why I still say it is Brandon Ingram's team to an extent because he has more years experience, right? And, you know, he – and I don't disagree with you. It, it, I don't no, disagree. and I, I don't, I don't, 
honest, and I don't think we need to sit here and say it's one or the other, right? I mean, they can do it together because because what I love what I love most about this team is that I love when when every night maybe brings a new leader when it's like when it when it's balanced scoring, but it's someone new maybe kind of sparking the comeback that night or leading the charge, whether it's Nikhil off the bench or JJ off the bench or you know, we've, we've seen Josh Hart, we've seen Lonzo Ball, you know, and I, I, that's when this team is really hitting on all cylinders is when it's coming from all sides. Right. But, you know, I just think Brandon does have the experience and I think we need to give Zion that grace period. Again, Daniel, you mentioned, and David and I always laugh about this on the show that he hasn't played a full 82 games yet. And here we are kind of expecting and demanding so many things from him. And, and, you know, I, he, he's still a kid. And I think, I think we just have to kind of, and again, we have to sit back with perspective and, and realize that, but also just simply appreciate it. Um, and how lucky are we to get to watch him and Brandon Ingram for the next, at minimum five years. I mean, B.I. is fresh off that max extension. <laughs> again, again, which goes back to why, why, when I made that hot take at the start of the year, I'm like, man, this is like 2020 was the year of B.I. Can we all agree on that? It was yeah, the sure. year of Brandon. He was our silver lining to the year that was 2020. Um, and to think there was a moment when I actually had to stop and really kind of question, like, does Zion deserve a nod? I mean, he when he hit the gas, what, I want to say it was maybe end of January, start of February. I mean, it was pedal to the metal for him. And it's amazing how quickly this thing has shifted. And based on what we saw Sunday, I'm, I'm hoping they continue it because Daniel, you know, as well as anyone, consistency has been the theme this year and, and really the issue many nights. Absolutely. That's the name of the game. And even going into tonight's game against Detroit, you think, well, you know, they should be the team that was only one with nine games, but keep in mind this team lost to Detroit uh, in Detroit on Valentine's day. So the Pelicans have had some really tough losses. They've lost to, Technically, the worst team in the East in Detroit, the worst team in the West in Minnesota, but they've also beaten the likes of the Phoenix Suns, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks. So you can see that the talent is there and capable of, but also when they get on the road, it's been a really shaky situation for them, which you know they're going to have a ton of road games in the second half of the schedule. Real quick before we move on, though, and I'll let you all think about a hot take for the end because we will do another one. We'll fire the hot take cannons at the end of this. We'll light it up, <laughs> let it fly. And then we'll revisit this video maybe at the end of the season or coming up on our next one. But start thinking about that for a second. But you mentioned it, Aaron, as far as both guys contributing. You talk about the Celtics game. I mean, Zion Williamson was the one that got them to overtime or got them to lead. But it was Brandon Ingram that made the huge shot in overtime. So mm-hmm. I feel like those are the two guys that you're fully capable. And that was Zion Williamson, I believe, his first field goal attempt in the last 20 seconds of a ball game, which is hard to believe. But at the same time, the Pelicans have not been in these situations a lot where they're in wait, clutch time. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me jump in there real quick. Sorry. I know you're on a roll. Did you just say <laughs> that was his first field goal attempt in the last 20 seconds in his 55 games? Yeah, I've been trying to find where I found that, but I looked at it last week because everyone talked about it with the Portland game as far as the ball did not get in the Zion's hands in the last shot of the game. And then someone said, well, he has not – put up a shot in the last 20 seconds of a game. And I thought there's got to be whether it's like a garbage time, you know, him just putting up a shot at the end. But also if you look at one, he's missed 20 or so games last year. You know, he only played in 30 games. He's played in 24 or 20, whatever, how many games this year, 30, um, or he missed one. Either way, the fact that they haven't been in a lot of clutch time situations. So the fact that that was his first attempt 
against Boston in the last 20 seconds. I'm going to have to try to figure out where I found that because I want to give credit to whoever did it. But I'm pretty sure, again, I'm not going to say for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that was the fact mm-hmm. that I saw last week about him never having an attempt in the last 20 seconds of the ball game. And, and, and what did we see Sunday? At minimum, at, like at, 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 at the very least, he's going to get to the free throw line. Right. At the very least, he is going to earn himself some charity stripe shots. Right, David? Why also, wouldn't you feed him in those moments? And also, when he doesn't get to the free throw line or whatever, you know they're going to overreact to Zion coming, which means someone is going to be open. You're going, like we're all saying, something good is going to happen with the ball in his hands. So why is he just now getting his first shot under 20 seconds? That's, that's, that's almost crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to go back because I think I might know who it was, uh, but I'm still haven't found it yet. I'm, I'm hopefully going to well, find me, that stuff here. Me and Eric, we we can sit here and chat about stuff. We, we yeah. Let, 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 okay, okay, okay. First of all, okay. First of all, we no. mentioned. Can we can we touch on that? Can we touch on that Valentine's Day colossal, whatever you want to call it for made for family TV? Sure. Uh, there was no love lost, but. I, when, I, when I go back and reread, David, I'm like, there were six Pistons with at least 15 points. Mason Plumley had his first career triple-double. I'm like, Mason oh. Plumley's still in the league? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. He just had his first career triple-double. <laughs> also, <killing> it. <laughs> and killing it. And then who – oh, Josh Jackson. We were like, he's still in the league? Yep. He led the, he led the bench. And then who was it? It was uh, well, Sadiq Bay, their rookie. He, I mean, you know what's you know what's funny? What's ironic is when we what's last that? met the Pistons, when we last met Detroit, they were coming off a win in Boston. Now here the Pels come entering the rematch, fresh off the biggest comeback in franchise history against Boston. Yeah, I'm Boston. all about finding I'm all about finding the, I'm all about finding fun little themes here, David, but Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is one that we need to circle in this matchup because he's averaging like more than double his career average, which is like 10.2 a game. I think he's at like 23 a game this season. He might, are we looking at our next most improved player of the, I mean, he's certainly in the running, but he might take B.I.'s crown. I don't know how he doesn't get it simply because you just said his career average is 10. His, his, his average last year was 12. His highest average in a season is 13, and he's now averaging 23. You know what stuck out to me about Jeremy Grant? And I think a lot of people talked about the offseason. He was on a Western Conference Finals team in the Denver Nuggets. He was in a pretty good situation there with a chance to make a postseason run with him. He took the route of wanting to be the main guy somewhere else and maybe a city that they might not win right now in order to be that guy. It doesn't feel like we see that a lot anymore. I know people talk about, you know, people move for, you know, players movement and what's best for them. But a lot of them go for, I'm going to team up with someone. I'll sacrifice a little bit of my game and the touches I get in order to win. But you kind of saw the opposite for Jeremy Grant, where he went from a team that was, you know, in contention to go to the finals to a team that is probably in a rebuilding mode just to be that number one guy. David, I mean, just kind of want to know your thoughts on how we've seen it. That's not really rare. That's not really common these days as far as player movement. Well, you look at you look at Denver's team, and Jeremy Grant was probably fourth, some nights fifth option. Yeah, uh, and I don't think he wa- I think he felt, I think he felt like his ability was better than fourth option. So I don't think he necessarily wanted to be first option, 
he didn't want to be fourth option. And so uh, you're right. Nobody seems to be moving to be the guy. They seem to be teaming up with other guys. Um, and I think he would have stayed in Denver if he was used the way he felt he should have been used. Um, I can't imagine going from a team that's in the playoffs, what, the last five years to a team that is in Strugglesville most of the time. So um, it's a unique situation. It seems to be working out individually for him, but losing stinks. <laughs> I don't know how you could go from a, you know, a team that's going to win 50 games most years to a team that, you know, might not win 20. Right. And so that's where I find it very interesting with, with Jeremy. And the, I mean, he's done really well this year for Detroit, but they've won nine games. And so definitely a different situation between him and where he was at Denver. It's probably why Blake Griffin wanted out. Keep in mind, the Valentine's Day game against the Pelicans was, I think, the first game that Blake kind of sat out. Like he wasn't even in the building. Remember, David, we were like, we were almost like, you know, we were, yeah. 20, we were like 15, 20 minutes to show. And we were, we were kind of banking on like a Blake Griffin walk-in, a Zion walk-in, because I was going to note, hey, it's a matchup of the two fastest active players to the 1,000-point club, right? So, and, and then they were like, hey, uh, Blake's not even in the building. Like, Blake didn't even show. <laughs> then we come to find out. I mean, but I don't blame him, right? I mean, you want – I mean, I don't – listen. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the money's great, but at the end of the day, we're all competitors. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we, we want to win. We right. want to win. At the end of the day, money can only take – well, I don't know. I think about that. I'm like, nah, you could probably pay me millions to uh... – <laughs> That's a whole different okay. podcast. Okay. Again, okay. 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 In a year I, I, to go to a loser. <laughs> I, got a, I got a wedding to pay for. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I brought the bench. I brought the bench on a loser making a few million. <laughs> you know, they're going to pay me $8 million to sit on the bench? I, sure. I'll go. <laughs> Oh, way less than that. I'll take way less than that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the league minimum at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is crazy. And again, that's something that we'll have to talk about in another podcast with, with player movement and things like that. You have guys sitting out, but again, that's a, a whole different podcast for um, another day. Before we get to the hot takes, before we get out of here, um, these there's six more games, including tonight for the Pelicans, before the first half of the schedule is done. Later this afternoon, as you're probably listening to this, the second half will be released at 2 p.m. Central time. We're about noon Central right now taping this. What do you want to see from Pelicans in these last six? I know, Aaron, you mentioned consistency, which I think is is pretty spot on. But is there whether it's growth from the bench, whether it is the defense stepping up, whether it's just finish with a winning record heading into the first half? I'll start with David, and I'll go to you, Aaron. Where What do you want to see? What are the, what are the goals for this team in the last six? Just in the last six, um, I would say better bench production. Um, and when you say consistency, I think it covers the Pelicans all the way across because they're doing a lot of things well. They're just not doing things well consistently. Um, and I, I think I would, I would say more consistency in their level of energy where they don't have such a fall off uh, when I think about the last game or the game, the last game we covered, how, you know, they scored 30, 30, 30, and then seven. Like, where did their energy go? Not only did they score seven, they, or yeah, they ended up scoring seven in nine minutes. 
They gave up 41. So offensively, defensively, the team just checked out. And for whatever reason, tired. Uh, I can't remember. that. What, was that a back-to-back, the second game of a back-to-back maybe? Or was that the first mm-hmm. game of a back-to-back? Yeah, um, it was support. It, it, no, we had, a, we had a game off in between. It was uh, it was uh, Wednesday was Portland. And then Phoenix was Friday. When, when, Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday was the Portland game, and then Friday was the, uh, the Suns. Yeah, so I, that, that doesn't – I can't explain that, but that's that's the kind of stuff I would like. But to your point, Tuesday went – we had a Tuesday-Wednesday game. So the Portland the Portland loss, the Portland collapse, was, uh-huh. uh, was uh, the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so that for me, that I think that that would be better bench production in the last six games um, moving forward. And then, of course, the, the energy level stay more of a high than than it than it does. So to that point, too, David, uh, Stan actually and Salas, when you were on the call yesterday following practice with Stan, um, he had an interesting bite. Someone had asked him about. Uh, you know the, the the Boston comeback, obviously, and something about stepping it up in the in the fourth quarter. What did you make of the way the team really, you know, stepped it up and changed? He said, "Yeah, it was kind of you well, know." How did we get <laughs> okay, but but okay, but 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 it, okay, it was a little bit of that. But he also felt like it was sound forty eight minutes of just kind of sticking with the plan, like the, the <laughs> like the cut the coming back. Mm-hmm. was sticking with what we were doing well, keeping with the plan. Don't abandon it just because shots start, you know, you, you, start, you know, shots aren't falling or, or things aren't going your way. Keep with it. Keep it. It's like a steady drum beat, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making a drum beat. People, the listeners can't see me, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm drumming over here. <laughs> he said that. He, and I thought that was interesting, David, because he said that's what a lot, it wasn't all of a sudden we just surged up, you know? I mean, it was like, it was like we stuck with what we were doing well and especially defensively, which began disrupting what they were doing well. Does that make that, sense? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And that's very important because a lot of times when they're down, they just start jacking threes from everywhere. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They get away from what that was working. And all of a sudden, and offensively and defensively, they get away from, they're trying to get it all back in the 12-point the shot that doesn't exist. So, yeah, I think that's huge that he pointed out the fact that you know, it wasn't like we just all of a sudden got hot and started launching threes from everywhere. We stuck to what we were doing and get, and that came back. So that's a good lesson for the Pelicans. And defensively, defensively disrupted what Tatum and Brown were doing so well, which is also key because you, in order to, to make up that ground and to dig yourself out of that hole, you gotta, you gotta slow them. You right. gotta slow the opposition. And so, so, and, and I just think, Daniel, that's what I want to see more of in the second half is, is what Stan has been preaching this entire first half is just consistency and staying with the plan. Don't abandon it as soon as things go wrong. You got to, you know, stick with it. The result will come and you got to trust. You got to trust that. And I want to see more of that trust in the second half. All right. Zoom says I have seven and a half minutes, so I don't want to end like, again, like the Sopranos and just black out here in seven and a half minutes. No, I'm going to give you all a minute each. If you have a hot take to fire away, if not, then we will end the show. But have you all thought about anything? Maybe, a prediction for the second half, a prediction for the last six games, or anything you want to get out there that want, we can go to in the next couple months and go. I want know, David to. Do, I want. I want David to be chastised this time. So I'm going to let you. <laughs> I'm going to let. I'm going to let you make the walkout on the limb first, buddy. <laughs> the Pelicans will get to 500 
with five games left to go in the season. You really almost just took exactly what I was going to say for my hot take. I think the Pelicans will finish the season at or above 500. And okay, so that's kind of like what – go ahead. Can, can I ask you guys a question then, which might play into mine? We got six and a half play, minutes. Do, 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 yeah. they make a, do they make a play-in game? Yes. Yes. At 500. Yes. They're in. That was, I mean, that that that's my hot take. Is they they will they will be in a play in game. They've been lingering. They've been they they've been lingering around. You know, they they've been lingering below like that final play in spot for right. some time. Again, if we, if we if we remain would consistent, would your would your hot take have stayed the same if we'd have been like, no, they don't get in the playoffs with that with that record. You would have changed your yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yes, because then I could do the, then I could do the talk to the hand again. <laughs> wait, wait, well, wait, hold on. Now that now that we now that we have uh we have an audience here, David. When I said when I wrote you yesterday and I was like, talk to the hand, you were like, Oh, I got something to say to that hand. We got five minutes left. What do you got to say? Yeah, five minutes <laughs> and forty five seconds. <laughs> this is not the time. It's not the time. <laughs> Okay, so can I okay, can I ask you can I ask you just this? And again, it's something we kind of touched on I think before we went on air. But my hot take could could still stand if Anthony Davis is unable to compete in the All Star game, and if like Devin Booker also isn't able to compete at what for whatever. <laughs> I think if Devin Booker also, I think okay. So because my thought was okay, if AD doesn't play. They need to replace. As I, what are the chances? My question to you is, what are the chances Bi could be that replacement over a guy like Booker, who I think, in full honesty, probably deserves it more. And that's what I was saying. I, I think Booker, his record, his Booker too has that wow factor. Booker puts up some shots that are just amazing. He drives, he penetrates, and that's why I think he would go before Brandon. I think that's a that's a tough ask to skip Booker, go to Brandon, because I think he would be first on the list. Now, if he can't play, obviously Brandon would be the next guy. But do you think but do you think Brandon would be the next guy if Booker? I mean, if you're looking at like a Jamal Murray, I mean there are so many other names, but do you, where do you think Brandon stacks? And does it have to be a Western Conference player at all? It does for now until the draft. Well, obviously that doesn't matter, <laughs> but you have to have twelve. Yeah, on each David. Side. We're not it's taking it. From- John Morant. <laughs> See, John ja, ja was up there. I, I know. I DeMar DeRozan, like- Michael Conley. Conley was a big. Conley was a big one, thinking that this could be the time he breaks in and, and gets it because of the the Jazz's record. Exactly because Utah is. I mean, they they would they would deserve three players of anyone, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting at yeah. the top, but- you brought up one earlier, Clarkson. Even though he's coming off the bench, he's, he's killing well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, there's a lot of deserving people on, on that list. And also, you never know about if t- people are going to opt out of playing in the game, too, or not even wanting to go there. I mean, there's a lot of wow. talk about that, too. So these next couple of days could be interesting about <laughs> about who wants to play and who doesn't or who's injured or who wants to use the time to rest. I mean, you can get – there's six more games for the rosters to move about if someone that plays gets injured or decides they want to take the week off. I mean – the hot take could still be alive. Is Daniel Sellerson admitting that it still lives? It lives? Is yeah. that what we're admitting here? Okay. We're, we're not putting it to rest. We're not laying it to rest yet. <laughs> okay. I got a minute and a half here. <laughs> 
Daniel can't sign off on this thing quick enough. <laughs> well, he's less than a minute. He doesn't know how much time he has right now. On that note, Pelicans and Pistons tonight, 6.30 pregame coverage from Aaron and David. More hot takes potentially. Game at 7 with Joel Myers, Antonio Dales, and Jen Hill. I'm just going to get that out of the way now before the thing shuts off in a minute. I appreciate you both for coming on. We can text after, but this this thing's going to go here at, a, at about a minute. So thank you guys for the time, and we'll talk about All-Star before uh, before the game happens. As I mentioned, Pelicans and Pistons tonight starting at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. You can watch on Fox Sports New Orleans, or you can listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with pregame coverage starting at 6.30. And then Pelicans and Bucks tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. No Fox Sports New Orleans. So you can watch on TNT, but turn the volume down and listen to the New Orleans Pelicans radio network and speaking of tomorrow we'll have another pelicans podcast for you talking about the nba schedule so hope you can join us for that as well for aaron and david i'm daniel thanks for listening to the pelicans podcast presented by seeky